Welcome to In the Wake with Whitney. Here on this podcast, we cover mental health, life lessons, mindset growth, and tons of storytelling. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and everything in between. I'm your host, Whitley Rogers. I'm a certified life coach and mental health advocate. I'm also a survivor of sexual and mental abuse. I'm here to open up those conversations that are normally uncomfortable or hush-hush in society. Keep listening for bits and pieces of my personal journey and insights along with other interviewees. All right, so I'm here interviewing with Phil Gold. Hi, Phil. How are you? Hello. I am wonderful this morning. How are you? I'm pretty good. All right, so I have heard about Phil for over a year now through mutual friends. I've been told that I need to meet him. I've been told multiple times that I should have have him here on the podcast, actually, So I finally asked to get in contact, and here we are. And we've never actually met in person, just spoke briefly online. Right, (laughs) that's right. This is my first time hearing from him, as well as probably most of the listeners. So we're in for a treat. All right, so since I don't know you that well and I can't introduce you, can you tell us a bit about who you are and maybe what's your story? Uh, Sure. Um, Well, I am just a regular guy uh, for the most part. My day job is in the tech field. Uh, I build out uh, network infrastructure, Optic network infrastructure, much different than what we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I live here in Las Vegas. I've been here for almost 20 years. Came here via Los Angeles, via Philadelphia. So I've been around a little bit. Yeah, I guess the reason I'm here today is uh, I'm really excited to talk about consent. I got into teaching and speaking on consent probably about 20 years ago. And um, just kind of took off and I'm sure we'll get more into that. But um, yeah, and if you're in Vegas, you are very familiar with uh, my better half, Stephanie. And um, I love her. (laughs) She she is the best. Yeah. And that's, and that's how we got together. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So, and that's the reason why so many people were like, you need to meet Phil is because of this consent class that, you teach. So I don't know much about it. So can you explain what that looks like maybe? So I started out by attending a lot of classes, uh, listening to a lot of people speak, going to motivational speakers, uh, events, and things like that. And my class is a bit different, or at least I hope it is. Um, so while most people talk about what consent is, my class, uh, which also talks about what consent is, of course, but also talks about the different forms of consent that you could mm-hmm. give or not give. For, for me and, and hopefully everyone else, there's no gray area for consent. There are certainly right. different kinds of consent. So I cover that and I do little exercises where, you know, another thing that's a little different about my class is that with others, most people talk about giving a firm yes or an enthusiastic yes. 
Right. And while I while I also cover that, I also talk about getting the firm no or the enthusiastic mm. no because that's yeah. just as important. So I cover that uh, quite a bit actually. So who comes to these classes? Who's the audience? Oh boy, I get all kinds of people that come to this class. Um, I get quite a few abuse survivors that come to the class. Uh, they want to kind of get started with, you know, how to get back into the fray. Maybe they want to start dating again, or maybe they just want to know what to do if a situation arises. You know, maybe they, uh, you know, haven't had that that talk with anyone. So, but I also get, uh, you know, I've had law enforcement in my classes. I've had military in my classes, uh, business people, uh, business owners who want to write, you know, consent policy or sexual harassment policies for their, their company, their employees. Uh, so, uh, you know, I get a nice mix. I, you know, I get people from all walks of life, all different kinds of communities. Uh, so it, it's nice to see such a diverse crowd. Yeah, that's beautiful because everyone needs to hear it. It's not a certain type of person. Agreed. <laughs> so what medium do you teach through? How, how did this start? Uh, you know, someone years ago, many years ago, asked me if I could speak to their group. They had a little social group and they had you know, little social events that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, where they met and had drinks and stuff, dinner, uh, and they asked if I would come and speak on consent and negotiating your relationship, right? Mm -hmm. How to speak to each other and that kind of thing. Uh, and of course I said yes, so it was a great opportunity. And from that, I kind of sprung into action and I, I started developing classes, specific classes for consent and for negotiation. Uh, mm -hmm. negotiating consent, negotiating with a new partner or renegotiating your relationship as it is like maybe today. And it just grew from there. And now I travel, I've been to, you know, of course through Nevada and Utah and uh, I'm going to Atlanta next year to teach at a conference. Wow. Uh, so it's getting bigger. And, you know, fortunately with the me too, and Time's Up movements, mm -hmm. uh, now things are really kind of starting to get into full swing and I'm getting more and more people coming to me saying, hey, I kind of heard about this class or I attended your class. Would you mind coming here and teaching it here? So That's so excited. amazing. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot disagree. Yeah. So <laughs> in your words, what does consent mean? And maybe what negotiation means because we talk about consent but negotiation I feel like isn't as talked about and they kind of go hand in hand absolutely so consent to me means power consent gives each and every one of us power to determine not only what we do for others but what others do for us and to us and with us so consent is on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, right? right? We, can, we can give it for anything and we can revoke it for anything. Right. And that's the important thing that I try to put forward in my class. Consent really means power. It gives us each the power to 
do a great many things, right? Consent is involved in virtually every aspect of our lives uh, with our families, with our friends, with our fellow employees at work, our bosses, you know, and of course, most people will term consent uh, as having to do with uh, sexual harassment or bullying or things like that. And, right. and it's absolutely included, but it, it goes broader than that. So yeah. when people think about consent, yeah, one of the takeaways I hope your listeners get from this is that it doesn't just have to be a part of those two things, bullying, yeah. harassment of any kind, uh, but it's, it's in everything, you know, it's in everything. Yeah. Every act and every like human encounter, I feel like. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because I I did a podcast episode a bit ago about teaching kids consent. And I did say, like, you can teach them when they're super young. And there's that misconception that consent is linked to sex, but it's about sharing toys and hugs and just any interaction between another human being. So it can be taught from the moment you can talk up until you die. Like everyone needs to learn consent. That is true. There, there really isn't any one person in the world who should not learn about consent. Yeah. Yeah. Not one. Um, And I'm glad you brought up the hugs because hugs are a huge thing. I think, I think I'm fortunate being 50 years old, I grew, I grew up in a time where these things weren't thought of, right? Two people came together in any kind of social setting and boom, if you're friends, Hey, here's a hug for you. And we, as a culture, as a society, we never realized this person might not be a hugger or this person may be uh, a survivor of something, right? right? Anything. And, and may have maybe triggered by being touched or being hugged. And, and now we're, we're moving forward in, in realizing uh, maybe I should pause. And there's still so much work to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's a lot of good people out there, a lot of great people, a lot of great you know, educators and speakers and presenters out there who are spreading the word. But there's, there's still a lot more to do for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's always room to grow. Definitely. And room to educate, for sure. I agree. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) So how do you advocate for abuse survivors? Because you've talked a little bit about that. Can you touch more? So how do I advocate for abuse survivors? That's a great question. I started off early on Mm -hmm. and through... Organizations like Toastmasters, which is an international group that helps people speak better publicly, mm-hmm. I was able to learn a lot of skills to speak well and speak with passion about what I was passionate about. Right. I started early on with abuse shelters and talking to friends and their friends about consent and about assisting those who may not have a voice or may not be able to use their voice. And that perpetuated 
speaking engagements and speaking to smaller groups and cliques and the word just spread and here we are now today and now i'm able to travel and speak on the subject to many more people hundreds of people so that um yeah that's been a great passion in my life and um but not only that you know i attend marches and i contact shelters and i have a small program here that assists survivors of domestic and sexual abuse i have three i do i have three safe houses around town that i can quickly get people out of uh when i can get people out of their situation i have a place for them if they don't want to go to a place like safe nest or shade tree which are two amazing organizations for domestic abuse survivors and i i get a lot of support from other people in my community which helps me advocate for survivors even more and i'm slowly growing my network and meeting other people and getting assistance you know where sometimes i never thought i'd get assistance from so it's really nice and uh, you know i have a small team of people that i can call on friends and acquaintances that have the same passion as i do when it comes to helping people get out of bad situations mhm just beautiful so, what you're doing. Thank you. I I really enjoy being able to pay it forward. Would I would I receive paying that forward? Yeah, yeah. And you sort of answered this, but how did you get into this line of work? Like what what led you to being so passionate about consent and abuse survivors and all of this? I um starting out at a young age um, and I, and I mentioned you know my past experience with uh, sexual abuse you know that put a fire under me yeah. uh, very 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 early on you know i i used to talk to my mom about it a lot actually and she is the one who really said you know you don't have to just talk to me about it you could talk to everybody about it anybody and that, that right and that started the fire you know and mm-hmm. of course again you know my father being so open and you know he being instrumental in helping me speak and and one of the things my father told me when i was very young uh, and it still sticks with me today and i tell other people this as well be aware of what's around you and at the time as a kid i thought yeah okay you know what do we do when we cross the street we look both ways right right but as i got older it translated into something so much bigger right so much larger and being aware of what's around you now for me means you know what hap- what's happening what's the body language that i'm seeing when i'm talking to a person is this a cry for help that i'm receiving or is it is it the right time to ask hey are you in trouble is there something you need can i help you right at this moment because i can and you know having a lot of privilege being who i am i'm able fortunately i'm able to use my privilege to reach out where other people might not be able to or may not want to and 
you know, so that's a, a huge deal for me. So I use whatever privilege I have. Uh, and, and that's really what started it, you know, speaking to people in the mental health field way back when I was a teenager and seeing where they were coming from, how they got into that line of work didn't really make me want to get into that line of work, but it did put the idea and thought into my brain that, you know, I can do more. I don't have to have a license or, you know, a certain degree to be able to reach out to someone that might be marginalized or might be in need of help. They might be in trouble, physical, emotional uh, trouble. And I just jumped in. I've always been one of these people that I, with, little to no fear, just kind of jump in, deal with the consequences later. And, you know, it, it wasn't always cake and ice cream. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I've, you know, I've, I've had a lot of altercations. I've, uh, you know, had to include law enforcement, you know, more often than not, but the end result was always the same. Right. Yeah. And that, I, you know, just jumping in and saying, I think this person needs help. I need your help to help me help this person. And it just, it went on from there. Wow. That, I felt like you were giving a pep talk individually to me because that was so inspirational. You are my hero. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You're my hero. You're you're doing great work. To follow in your footsteps because I'm not sure if you know much about my story, but I am an abuse survivor myself. I was in an abusive relationship with someone for almost two years, and he was sexually and mentally abusive. And now I turn my pain into light through sharing my story and letting other survivors know that they're not alone and just educating other people. And so I love what you're doing because it just, it really spoke to me and what I'm passionate about. So this is so cool. I'm so glad that we get to make this connection. But me as well. And everything you said, right back at you. <laughs> and, and you brought up a great point. You know, uh, another reason that I got into this was the fact that I was able to share my story. And a yeah. lot of people cannot do that. Yeah, and not everyone has that privilege or that safety. No, you know, they, there's not a lot of support still for yeah. sexual and domestic abuse survivors. And it's crazy to me because it is 2019. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've come yeah. a long way. Yeah, technologically and, and in other ways. We've come a great long way in, in this country alone, not to mention yeah. Canada and European countries. There's so much that we could do, so much more that we could do. And, and, you know, that's why it's great that you could share your story and you could put it out there on this podcast. I think that's brilliant because, you know, if just one person is listening right now and here's both of us, uh, you know, chatting back and forth about this, that might give them the power to talk right. to one person. And that's really all it's about. Uh, being able to share my story younger uh, at, at a younger age was really helpful to me. You know, I was very fortunate to have that support system with my mom and my dad and my brother and my friends. And 
you know, maybe it has something to do with the fact that my parents were very outspoken and mm-hmm. uh, I have other friends that were outspoken and I was always attracted to drawn to other people who were outspoken. They spoke their truth. They were authentic. And I love that about, you know, the people I encountered and um, that helped me to be my authentic self and share my truth, you know, and, and there's always a different truth for everybody, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And yeah. And part of getting into this line of work is, is finding out someone else's truth because my idea of consent is probably different from a great many other people's you know, definition of consent. And that's fine. As long as we end up at the same place. Yeah. It's individual to the person, but the feeling is the same. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. From a young age, it always broke my heart when I saw someone in a situation that kept them down, that put them in a place where they were able to leave or speak up without fear of being penalized for it. And, and that is the biggest heartbreaker for me. You know, speaking specifically to how I got into this, I think I could probably trace it back to one situation. I used to hang out with a friend of my mother's. Uh, she was a little younger than my mom. They worked together and they ended up becoming great friends. And she met a man who started out like any other normal relationship. He was a cool guy. It was funny. He didn't mind me hanging out, you know, uh, when my mom came over and they were all hanging out. What we didn't know, what we had no idea of is that he was extremely abusive. Right. And I I happened to be over there. uh, I've always been a car guy. Cars are are one of my passions. And (laughs) they had a Camaro that I just loved. And they went on some trip and said, hey, if you want to use the car while we're gone, go for it. So they handed me the keys to their car and I had a great time <laughs> town. And when I went to return it, once they had returned, they, they had a fight. They started arguing and it wasn't about me. It wasn't about the car. It was just, it was just something that started the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I was, a, I was a teenager. And I remember distinctly sitting on the couch in their apartment and I was like a one ton bar of steel. I could not move. I was afraid for Mm. her. I was afraid for myself, not that he would turn his abuse on me because I was a pretty big kid (laughs) as a teenager, but I just was powerless mm. and with, with all the pep in my step, with all the passion that I had, with all the things that I had done already at that age, I wasn't able to do anything. Right. And that's, that stayed with me for 30 years, 30 plus years. I couldn't even imagine what she was going through, right? Uh, my, right. 
I guess you could say I was somewhat fortunate in that my experience with sexual abuse was not violent per se, mm -hmm. but theirs was. It was very violent. Seeing that as a kid and being powerless, not knowing what to do, right, was horrible enough. Like seeing what she was going through. And, and, and fortunately, she didn't just you know, stand there and, and take it. You know, she, she was someone who was able to push back, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm not even saying that that was the right thing to do or, yeah. or, or, or not, you know, uh, who's to say, but that stuck with me for so long to where, you know, we lost contact for years and years and years by mom's friend. And, and I uh, hadn't, talked for many, many years, just different states. And she got married to a wonderful man, thankfully, you know, had kids and all this stuff. So her life is very happy. Yeah, you know, things for her obviously became a lot different, which I'm thankful for. But it was one of those things that was kind of, uh, I could probably say almost worse than the own abuse uh, that I suffered because I saw the situation. I couldn't do anything about it. And there was a lot of guilt there. And I don't, I don't think that, well, it's, it's clear that abusers don't think about the consequences of their actions, but they also don't know or don't care to know that their actions don't only affect the survivor, but people around the survivor as well. And that's important for people to understand because if that person surviving this abuse doesn't have immediate people to go to, it makes it so much harder for them to find the support that they really need. Yeah. And it perpetuates a domino effect where some people never talk about or, or are able to talk about the abuse that they suffer because they're immediate support system, be it their family or friends, witnessed this, were powerless to do anything. And now the survivor feels like, well, I don't know if I can go to these specific people because of one reason or another, they, they didn't help or they couldn't help or why couldn't they help? Why didn't they help? Is it because they didn't want to, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah, know, when you're, you can be almost. helpless, it's like a black hole. Mm -hmm. And when you're going through that, and, and I'm sure I don't have to tell you this, you don't think the way a, a person who hasn't gone through abuse thinks. Yeah. And you don't have that capacity. You're, you're thinking on a way different track. So having my situation personally and watching that of my mother's friend, and carrying that guilt around for the better part of, of 30, 35 years uh, really helped me. Uh, you know, eventually, it, it certainly kept me down for a lot of years. But yeah. um, Rightfully so. Yeah. And, you know, and by the time I was able to kind of spit it out and say, look, you know, I, I really apologize that I wasn't able to help you then. And, you know, of course, it wasn't even a an afterthought for my mom yeah. or my mom's friend who said, you know, look, you were, you were a teenager and you know, we got through it and this is where we're at today. And, and that's the important thing. So 
all these things in my life kind of, you know, came together and helped me get into this line of work. And it's been really a wonderful journey so far. I, I am certainly not done. Yeah, it sounds like this has just been a part of your life, ingrained in your life since the beginning. It's been so many different factors that have led up to this, which is so cool. It makes you the powerhouse that you are, of course. Certainly try. <laughs> Certainly try. It, it is a team effort. I will say this. Um, yeah. You know, I, I am very thankful to the people that I have in my life, the people that I have in my community here. That uh, you know, when I say, "Hey, I need a place to hide a friend out," you know, and they say, "Yeah, it's not even an issue. Just bring them here, and they can stay for up to two weeks or three days or what have you." You know. Everybody has different situations. I'm really fortunate to have yeah. uh, a team that I can count on. So. Yeah, and not everyone has that. So it's beautiful that you share that that support system that you do have. I love that. It's good to have. <laughs> yeah. So maybe you already hit this with that story you just told. Maybe not, but... What was your individual climax or maybe turning point in life that led you to where you are now? That is a tough question. I think, <laughs> I think absolutely the situations I just described were major, major turning points in my life. But, you know, also doing speaking engagements here in, in Las Vegas was a great start for me and having people come in from out of town and say, ah, I'm going to check this guy out, see what he has to say. Yeah. You know, there was a turning point where I was able to make uh, some friends from out of state, you know, mutual friends and um, they held conferences or they presented at conferences and I was able to ask them, Hey, you know, what would it take to be able to, speak at your conference or how do I go about doing what you do and going to talk to larger crowds and mm -hmm. get my, my ideals and thoughts out to other people. And these people were instrumental in helping me with the application process and, you know, putting together the prospectus for my, my speaking engagements or classes. And, um, you know, the people, actually said, you know what, why don't you come out? We'll give you a shot and you can, you know, we'll give you a time slot and you can speak at my conference. And yeah. that was a huge turning point. You know, when you're, well, for me, when I was starting out, you know, I said, man, how, it's great to get 10, 20 people. You know, sometimes I was lucky enough to get 40, 50 people in a room, but how do I get to hundreds of people? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that, that's, that's the big deal. And, and I'm a firm believer that as long as one person hears me, uh, one person knows I'm here to reach out to, then that's great. You know, mm -hmm. that's really, at the end of the day, that's all I need to know is that one person heard my, my words and will help someone else or will reach out to get help. But reaching a grand scale number of people is always a great thing. Yeah. You know, 
meeting and reaching out to people that have access to hundreds of people and, and even tens of people, you know, it yeah. doesn't, it certainly doesn't have to be hundreds or thousands of people, uh, but any little bit helps. And it's uh, something I'm still striving to. My ultimate goal is to do a TED talk on consent, uh, awesome. <laughs> but, you know, baby steps. Um, that, that would be my pinnacle moment. There are definitely grand goals <laughs> that I have in my life. <laughs> I'm super happy still to um, to be able to take that one experience and perpetuate others. You know, just keep going and and hopefully, with, with any luck, I'll keep getting invited out to these groups and and conferences, and we'll see what happens. But that that was probably a, a big point. Someone that that had just met me didn't really know me well. Say, you know what? I like what you have to say. Come on out and uh, and speak here. Yeah, giving you a a chance. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, that's all we need. Yeah. All right. So have you experienced any stigma, shame, or maybe just misunderstanding in your area of work regarding this? Oh have I (laughs) (laughs) you know for every for every person doing one thing there's always a person that does the opposite thing. Yeah, of course. Sure. And that's true in, in virtually everything. I'll come out and, and say, I am a huge feminist. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> so and, glad we're on the same page. <laughs> and, yeah. And there, if there's anyone out there who says, but you're a dude, you're a guy, uh, guys can be feminists. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We need guys um, as feminists. Yes, allies are huge. But, you know, attending women's marches and attending marches for survivors and, you know, standing outside of businesses that uh, perpetuate abuse and harassment policies instead of consent and, you know, support policies, it's rough out there. And today we have a lot of people who their ideologies are less than supportive, let's yeah. say. Yeah. And, uh, right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> as you can see, that was a struggle for a moment. But, uh, you know, so it, it's gotten scarier and scarier. You know, it used to be that you can put on a support group or a march or an event and the worst you were going to get was you know naysayers you know screaming you know go home but nowadays you have people with guns you have people who rally hate groups and uh, fascist groups and these are dangerous people and you know I, again i learned at a young age that the only real way that you're going to be able to get your point across is to simply get your point out there. And, I, you know, and, and believe me, I am no hero. Uh, there, are <laughs> many, there, there are many other people that I could count as heroes. And, um, but, you know, getting spit on and having things thrown at you, bottles and food and, um, has that actually happened to you? 
Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. my goodness. I've been hit with rocks before. I've been hit with glass bottles before. Uh, oh been hit with my. food before. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, brutal. It, it's, it is brutal out there, but you know, and I'm, I'm going to be frank. It is a brutal world mm-hmm. in many areas, in many cases and situations. I, you know, again, like I said a moment ago, for every person that does something one way, there's a person that does it the opposite way. And that, that goes both ways. And, and look, I'm a 50-year-old white man with <laughs> truckloads and truckloads and truckloads of privilege. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, you know what? If I get a rock thrown at me, as long as I don't get hit in the head, I figure <laughs> I'm, I'm skating away pretty well. But yeah. for, the, for the women who also march, for the LGBTQ community uh, members that march for equal rights, for people of color that march for equal rights and you know better standards, higher standards, mm-hmm. uh, these people get it much worse than I do. And, um, you know, so I'm really not going to complain because I'll tell you when Tarana Burke marches down the street as the founder of the Me Too movement, she gets it thousands of times worse than I do. And she's one of my absolute heroes. And it's, it's because of people like her uh, for sure. And, and I'm sure hundreds of people and, It's because of people like her who just said, you know what? I have a point to make and I'm going to make it. I'm going to die in making it. Right. Absolutely. That's what it takes. I can't imagine what she goes through on most likely a daily basis from people. For me, receiving hate speech or, or stigma, you know, that's not shame to me. Mm-hmm. My shame is for those people that stand there and waste their own time and waste space spreading hate speech and making threats. And, you know, it doesn't cost a thing to smile. It doesn't cost a thing yeah. to support. It literally costs nothing. It doesn't even cost time because when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, you can simply tell the person behind the coffee counter, hey, I appreciate what you're doing. You're helping me out in my day, giving me that caffeine boost so I can get, <laughs> so I can get the five o'clock. Uh, so thank you. You know, that literally costs me nothing to do in anything we do. The supermarket, just driving down the street and flashing a smile to someone that might have a look on their face that says, you know, I'm having a horrible day. I'm running late. I had to drop the kid off late. Uh, you know, or my, my child's sick, my spouse is sick. And I still have to go to work and work an eight, 10, 12 hour day. You know, all it takes is one little smile. And whether that person accepts that smile in that moment or not, they're going to at some point. I, I bet yeah. on it. I bet on it, you know, and that's something that I carry with me. And that helps me kind of accept what people sling at me. You know, I've been called all kinds of names and told all kinds of things. But, you know, at the end of the day. I'm fine with what I'm doing. I'm <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, yeah, it happens. I just want to say that 
I respect you so much. And thank you for calling out your own privilege and speaking to that because that's definitely a factor of it. But it's just beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And I wish other people would. You know, privilege is a huge thing. Is it okay to plug a program on of here? Of course, of course. I just happened to be, and, and it's not mine, but it, it, it happened to be uh, one night I was here and, uh, you know, my family was out doing other things and I had some time myself. So I popped on Netflix and I came across a, uh, I guess you could call it a documentary. And mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with Chelsea Handler, she is a comedian. She's been a late night talk show hostess and she has a Netflix special called Hey Privilege, It's Me, Chelsea. And it was eye-opening, let me tell you. And even I learned, you know, uh, quite a bit from it. And um, it talks about, you know, marginalization and how she was able to learn from experiences. And it taught me about calling out my own privilege and calling out the privilege of others. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes that's something we have to do. You know, uh, I am a firm believer of calling in, right? right? Because people just, sometimes people are ignorant and very much so, very much so. <laughs> and, and it's not always their own fault. While, while I will say continuing to be ignorant certainly is maybe not knowing it is stemming from something, right? Your background or what have you. It's one of those things where I would almost prefer to be able to call somebody in and say, you know what, maybe, uh, maybe I would do this differently than, than you're doing it right now because of this or because this person's gone through this, this person's gone through this. I think if you can call someone in and have a chat and have them turn around, their way of thinking and doing things, then, hey, you know, that's a win at the end of the day. But if you have to, I am certainly a fan uh, of calling out mm-hmm. because the only way we're going to really get out there is to be able to use our voices. Our voices are probably the most powerful thing we have. We can lose the ability to do just about anything else. And as long as we have our voices, then we still hold all the power. Mm, I 100% agree with that. I like to say, and I, I want to form the hashtag. I don't know if it's already formed, but um, voice for the voiceless, because I yes. love that in this line of work. But I, I really liked that term calling in instead of calling out. I've never heard of that but I think it's a more peaceful approach instead of necessarily attacking and calling out and sometimes that is necessary but calling in seems like a more maybe received approach that could make a bigger difference sure I mean you know there's a ton of cliche phrases out there yeah, catch yeah. More, catch more bees with honey, uh, you know, that kind of things. But, you know, there's no in, in, in humiliating or embarrassing someone else because of their behavior. This doesn't fix the situation. This perpetuates yeah. the situation. So there's really no need. 
you know, until there is a need, right? right so right. If, if people are going to continue down a certain path, I won't say it's the wrong path for them because clearly they think what they're doing is right. When that wrong path affects others, emotionally, physically, mentally, then obviously that's an issue and we yeah. have to call that. Do what we need to do. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. All right, so what would you tell your younger self? Stay in school. No, okay. <laughs> um, boy, what would I tell my younger self? So many things. I would probably tell my younger self to first get into this line of work professionally <laughs> as soon as possible. Why? Because I believe that I could have helped more people on a more grand scale if I had gone the way of a degree in, say, mental health or, you know, even uh, really any kind of therapist, uh, any kind of therapy degree, counseling degree, who knows how far I would have taken that. And I think that there is a lot of credibility to be had if you have a degree. And, you know, I am definitely not one to say, go to college, get a degree. Because for, (laughs) and and I say that because for many careers, you don't need it. You really don't these days. There's trade schools, there's journeyman projects and journeywomen projects. There's all kinds of, you know, hands-on training positions out there, internships. So a college degree isn't as necessary today as it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. But I feel like for me to do this kind of work, I could use all the help I could get, right? I could use all the credibility that I could get. I'm only going to be able to take this so far, right? Mm -hmm. And and, and that saddens me a a little bit, Uh, not too much because, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I can. But at the same time, I feel like if I could go back and go that track in, uh, with my education, I feel like I could have met many more people who, who could have influenced my path, you know, doctors and therapists, counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, all these people, they do so much great work on a daily basis. And I feel like those people could have enhanced my journey and helped me bring my journey even further. So yeah. that's something that I would definitely tell my younger self. Yeah, that totally makes sense. All right. So lastly, I just want you to answer, what do you want the listeners to take away from this episode? Maybe what would you say to someone struggling? I would tell that person that you are not alone. You are absolutely not alone. Any place you go, anywhere you go, with friends, with family, to get coffee, to get dinner, to a movie, uh, anywhere, pick your place. I guarantee you that there is going to be at least one person in that room that you're standing in that has either gone through something similar to what you've gone through, or there is a person there that is willing to see you and hear you and support you 
and help you. So there are some great movements out there in the world. Mm -hmm. Find those movements. Use your voice. Definitely use your voice. But if you can't, you know, if you can't use your voice, that's okay too. Maybe find someone, lean on someone that can be your voice until you find your voice and you find your place and your footing in the world where you want to be, you know, where you want to start using your voice and ask that person, you know, I'm going to try this. Will you be next to me? Will you stand with me and help me use my voice and be my voice when I can't? Because there are people out there that will, and if you can't call me, (laughs) (laughs) Phil will be your voice. <laughs> I will be your voice anytime. Yes, that was beautifully said. Thank you. I really appreciate what you're doing. Oh, I really appreciate what you're doing so, so much. If anyone wants to connect with you or maybe come to one of your, one of your classes, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? Well, I can be emailed mm-hmm. at Phil, P-H-I-L, at speakinggold.com. There are two Gs there. And you can email me anytime with questions, if you want to tell me your story, uh, if you just want someone to lean on, to listen. uh, I see you and I hear you and I'm available. Boy, they can get a hold of me anytime. And uh, yeah, questions, concerns, anything. If you're coming to the Las Vegas area, Hit me up, and if you want to know more about my consent class, I don't have to have a class of 10, 20, 30 people to sit down and uh, share some coffee and some space and talk about consent and negotiation. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I'll put that in the show notes below the episode, and if you guys want to talk to Phil, connect with Phil, that's where you can find him. So thank you for talking with me today. I absolutely loved it. I really appreciated you reaching out. I was uh, very excited. It was an honor to be here and talk to you and hear your story as well. I appreciate you for that. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. It was, it was great. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening and tune in next time. I hope this podcast left you feeling empowered, better understood, and less alone in this crazy thing called life. If you like what you hear, leave a rating or review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.